Rick is our speaker for this morning. This is Rick Love. Let me introduce Rick to you. Rick and Patty, Patty is Rick's wife, come from Calgary. And they have a passion to help immigrants to Canada become followers of the Lord Jesus. Patty, his wife, has been the intercultural ministries pastor at Foothills Alliance Church in Calgary for the past 12 years, where she's initiated, developed, and led the EL program, which hundreds of people have been involved in at all sorts of different levels. They've been doing a terrific job uh, of this over a number of years. Patty would have been with us here this morning. She was in our home last night. She was planning to be here. Uh, But their oldest daughter had a baby in the middle of the night last night. Premature, a few days premature. Yes, wonderful. Grandson, uh, well, grandchild number four for Rick and Patty. And so uh, Patty got on a plane and headed off to be with her daughter, which is wonderful. So together, Rick and Patty have written 14 books of curriculum uh, to assist in the program of reaching um, newcomers to Canada. Rick taught at seminaries in the Philippines and Canada before becoming director of Love New Canadians, which is a ministry that equips local churches for ministry with immigrants through seminars, coaching, and curriculum. Love New Canadians has worked with 176 different churches. That's a lot of churches. From 25 different denominations in seven provinces, and Rick and Patty have four adult children. We came to know Rick and Patty um, at a Billy Graham evangelism conference a few years ago in Niagara. And Julia had all these things on her heart, but just didn't know how to make them happen. And she heard Rick and Patty speak and something came alive. She said, these people can help me. I know they can. And so she spent some time with them and they talked to her. And Rick and Patty have been coaching Julia through all that she's been doing. So the EL classes that are running upstairs right now are happening because Rick and Patty have been coaching her. Uh, Sometimes weekly, sometimes monthly. We're so grateful for the help. They've been getting Skype calls and yeah, They've been a tremendous help. So please give a warm welcome to Rick Love this morning. Thanks so much, Peter. It's uh, been really good to get to know or to grow in friendship with Peter and Julia, and uh, we consider them our friends. It's been great to connect with people here at Gateway. We met uh, some of you last year when I was here. Uh, I was thinking, how can I give my Manitoba credentials? So my great-grandfather was an immigrant from Northern Ireland to Portage la Prairie, where he had a farm. My grandfather was born there, and he met my grandma, and they moved west to Alberta. Patty's father's family was from uh, Emerson. My, my Patty's mother's family was from Boys of Ain. Patty grew up in Brandon. So uh, strong connection with Manitoba. We love it. It's a friendly place. Today, I'd like to talk about various strategies that Jesus used when he was connecting with people during his short time on earth. And I'd like you to think about, is there any one of these strategies that would be good for me to think about using as I connect uh, with people in uh, my life? I'm going to do this by talking about nine verses from the book of John. So in John chapter 2... Jesus said to the servants at the wedding in Cana, fill the jars with water. And as you know, uh, the water turned into wine. This was a sign. It was a miracle from Jesus. And he, I find it fascinating that Jesus starts his ministry with a party here at a wedding. And it's often the way we make our first connections with new friends, is with parties, with outings. And so what we do is 
We uh, have international New Year celebration. We have Easter egg hunts, and we do barbecues. We go camping and hiking. Uh, we go on a farm trip. We do curling, Thanksgiving celebration, fall, fall carnival, Christmas party. And out of this, uh, we get to know our friends, our immigrant friends' families, and they get to know our families. And we grow in our friendship. We have all sorts of visitors that we connect with. It's a relaxed atmosphere, and we have great fun together. And so relationships are developed and strengthened. So Jesus started his ministry at a party. And we plan all sorts of parties where we make our first connections with new friends. John 6, uh, Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And he took the loaves, he gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And the food was multiplied and it fed 5,000 people. Another sign, another miracle. And so just as Jesus was connecting with food, parties and food, we do the same thing. We connect uh, with, with um, our new friends with uh, food. Um, a young woman from the Middle East came to one of our classes and got started to get to know people. She eventually started attending our Bridges EAL class. And um, she started bringing her chi- child to Sunday school. And uh, some, one woman asked her why she didn't attend her, the traditional religion. And she said, well, are you going to give me a ride? And uh, no one was going to give her a ride, but people were giving her a ride to the church. And so she came, and I remember the day where she said, yeah, this is my church. And she just really got to know a lot of people in in our fellowship. One day, she invited my wife and I to their house. And so we were with their family, husband and wife and kids. Their kids said, we're asking if they were Christians now, because they've been attending church so long. And they just started serving all this food. And it's like, it was overwhelming. We found, especially our friends from the Middle East, they are incredibly generous with foods. My wife was at a party, and, and I wrote down all the things. She said they had fruit, nuts, dessert, juice, coffee, crackers, olives. And then, so my wife was completely full, and they hadn't even started the meal yet. So they take that away, then they bring the full meal, have to eat a little bit more food, and then dessert. So if you're invited to certain homes, you've got to like pace yourself so you can be you know, hospitable. Jesus fed the 5,000, and we eat together with our new friends to get to know each other better. Uh, from John chapter 4, Jesus said to his disciples, the fields are ripe for harvest. Evangelism is another part of the way that we connect with our new friends. So we have classes at our church, EAL classes, uh, citizenship preparation, job talk, living in Canada. It's really just about making friends. And we have other classes for the curious, the EAL Bridges class. It's still pre-evangelistic, but we also have an evangelistic focus with our ESL Bible studies and our Alpha. Um, at our, we found at our, at our church, for every 10 who attend the settlement classes, about four will go on to the Bridges class, and about two go on to the ESL Bible Studies in Alpha. So we try to expand the settlement classes so we have more uh, friends on a pathway to Jesus. Uh, Jerry came to Canada. He had a six-month visa. He poured himself into our language classes and uh, went to the Bridges class. He was attending Alpha, and, and very quickly, he gave his heart to Jesus. He became a follower of our Lord Jesus. And the time was running out. We knew he was going back to his home country. And that is a very difficult time for people who are new to Canada. When they go back, 
uh, to their birth country to continue in their new faith. Um, and so uh, one of our volunteers worked really hard to find a connection, to find someone from his home place, his home city, who could bring him to church, who could help him with discipleship, who would help him with maturity. We're so thankful to God that that, that worked out. Our volunteer was able to make those connections. Jesus told his disciples, the harvest is ripe, so evangelism is a key part of the way that we help new Canadians learn about Jesus. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist, he had this ministry, he's teaching, he's baptizing, people are going out to meet him. And John the Baptist called, saw Jesus and he called Jesus the Lamb of God. And as a result, some of John's followers, they got up and they spent the day with him. That's what the verses say. They, they spent the day with him. And so I'm sure these two men learned a lot from Jesus during that day. Wouldn't we all like to spend the day with Jesus? As they spent time together their friendship grew. So spending time together as we build our friendships is a significant part of our ministry. Uh, um, Most of the pictures are not matching the people or the names. I'm trying to keep them private. But the people on the right of that picture are June and Neil. They they immigrated from Scotland uh, and they came to Calgary. And they got to... uh, June jumped into all the classes. She was helping in a conversation class small group leader in Bridges, and then she just really had a passion for people who are just beginning to learn English. So she has become our, our go-to, number one beginner teacher. So she prepares curriculum every week, and she's not just dealing with the students in the classroom. She goes to their homes, she connects with them outside of the class. She has become like their pastor. And my wife told her that, yeah, you're like their pastor. She was quite embarrassed. No, I'm not their pastor. Yeah, yeah you are, because you're getting to know them. You're encouraging them. You're helping them uh, in so many ways in their life. And uh, June and Neil, they were, they've been so encouraged by the, as they pour themselves into ministry that they've grown in their walk of faith with our Lord Jesus, and they chose to be baptized as a testament to their uh, growing passion for Jesus. On the left is Olivia, who I talked to you about last year when I was here. And she wrestled for a long time, trying to decide whether she wanted to be a follower of Jesus or not, and what that would mean for her family back in her home country, and the implications for her family who had immigrated with her to Canada. And so she became a believer and was baptized. And since last year... Uh, her husband, Barry, he's been attending a Bible study. And a few months ago, September, I, asked, I was asking a question. I said, uh, so it came out of the Bible study. I said, why do some people believe in Jesus? And why do some people not believe in Jesus? And I was expecting a variety of answers. And Barry's answers were all reasons why people believe in Jesus. And it was very obvious. Barry has become a follower. He talks like a Christian. He prays like a Christian. He's given his life to Jesus. And both Barry and Olivia are praying for their daughter, their teenage daughter. And they would like to see her come to faith. And they all want to get baptized together. So we're hoping that that comes very soon. On the right of that picture is Michelle. She came to a class, ESL class. And she was already very good in English when she came to Canada. So she came for about a year, and then she stopped coming because she was already you know, excellent in English, and she didn't feel like she was learning much. But after a few months, she missed the community. She missed connecting with people. She missed the friendships that she got uh, in the classes. So she came back, and she asked, is there a way that I can volunteer? Can I help out? And so... My wife figured out a way for her to become a volunteer, and so her and her daughter have been volunteering for years. 
Seven years after she first came to class, she uh, became a follower of Jesus and she was baptized. And since I last saw you, she's been in a new life follow-up class. And these are her words. I'm so excited about what I'm learning. She's become a stronger Christian. She's maturing in the faith. We're so thankful to God that she came back. Uh, Jesus spent time with his new friends, those who had been John's followers. And we also spent time with our friends, getting to know each other and sharing part of our lives together. In John 4, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, will you give me a drink? And you know, later on, Jesus is teaching her so many important things about worshiping in spirit and in truth. He tells her about her family and her husbands. And uh, what I love about this verse is Jesus asks her for some help. And so we do the same thing. In our ministry, we try to find ways that we can ask people to help us to help us in ways that they can agree with our values, with what we're committing ourselves to. And so we have so many students who they want to give back, they want to help out, so we find ways for them to volunteer in the ministry. And um, we meet our neighbors. Um, They're non-believers so far, but they love the fact that we're trying to help new Canadians with English classes. So they, they come and they want to help. Now, of course, none of these people, they're not like teaching a Bible study or anything, but we find ways that they can participate in the ministry because they want to help as new Canadians settle. And we know that they're on their own pathway to Jesus. So as they come and volunteer in our, in our ministries, they uh, are getting to know loving Christians And many of them come from backgrounds, some of our non-believing neighbors, they come from backgrounds, maybe they were baptized as a child, maybe they were even confirmed, it's been a long time since they've been to church, they kind of consider themselves Christians, but it's not a big part of their lives. But as they come and and join us in the ministry, the church becomes a more and more important part of their life, and many of them become part of the church. One University of Calgary woman saw our boulevard sign. She was a professor and she was retired. And she said, I've been looking at your signs for years. I'd like to come up and help. In fact, at one time we had three retired professors helping us out. And they all just loved the classes because they had such motivated students. And uh, so she likes, this woman likes to travel a lot in the winter. So she's helping out in summer classes when she comes back to uh, Canada. And she was enjoying it so much she invited her mom So her mom, who's in her 90s, was helping regularly at the beginner class, getting to know the students and uh, helping them learn English. Well, unfortunately, her mother broke her pelvis. A pretty difficult time, but volunteers from the class went to visit her. Uh, uh, Students wrote cards. People showed love, showed kindness to her. And this is what... Uh, this woman wrote to us. Her name is Elsie. She said, Dear friends, I am at a loss for words. I have never in all my life found a church that is so caring. Foothills is not only a building, it's full of such thoughtful and generous people. Your cards, your visits, your gifts made me turn to tears. Your church is a true Lord's church. I will always remember your kindness and generosity. I'm sure it is Jesus who directed me to your church. I love you all. I hope I will sometime in the future come back to the wonderful people in the ESL class. God bless you all. Elsie. So Jesus asked the Samaritan woman for help. 
Uh, we also welcome the help we receive from students who would like to volunteer or from non-believing volunteers in our neighborhood who want to be part of helping new Canadians settle well into Canada. This volunteer experience can be a key part of their own pathway to Jesus. In uh, John chapter 2, uh, Jesus, uh, after turning the water into wine, he goes to the temple and he sees people buying and selling in the temple courts. So he made a whip and the text tells us he drove all from the temple courts. Jesus was concerned about justice. He was concerned about social action. Yes, he showed kindness and mercy and gentleness, but he also fought against uh, this injustice in the temple. Um, last year I told you about my friend who's in the back row. He's a child slave in Sudan. He escaped and he made his way to Egypt where he lived in a refugee camp before emigrating to Canada. In Canada he was married, started having kids, and he had a used car that wasn't working. Took it to a mechanic and the mechanic said it would cost him $6,000 to repair and uh, he didn't have that money, so he went to a dealership, and they said they sold him a used car for about $6,000, but with a loan. And I went to visit him the day after he got the car, and he was quite happy with the car, and I said, can I look at the paperwork? Now, my friend is not really good in English, not familiar with the, how Canadian ways work, and I'm looking at the contract, and I'd see, oh, he's, he's agreed to pay 29% per annum interest. I, and I know he's making just about minimum wage. He doesn't have enough money to... Well, he has enough money for food in the car, nothing else. And so I'm talking to him. He's like, how are you going to make this work? Eventually, a man from the church went to the dealership and said, hey, this, this is going to bankrupt our friend. Can you take the car back? And they refused to take the car back until a man from our church agreed to pay the commission for the salesman who had tricked our friend into buying this car. Another man from our church looked at his car and they were able to fix his old car they could fix with a uh, oil change and a small tune-up. So what often happens is some of our new Canadian friends, they're like, uh, they're maybe a little bit too trusting, they're not familiar with ways things, business functions in Canada and people can take advantage of them. And so we try to stand up. We try to treat others the way we would want to be treated, as Jesus taught us. Jesus opposed injustice through social action. And we engage in social, social transformation to help new Canadians. In John chapter 8, Jesus said to the man who could not walk, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. So Jesus miraculously healed this man. What we can do is we can help the sick in various ways. And sometimes we do that through rides. Sometimes it's through babysitting. Of course, through prayer. Uh, we found, as you know, about 20% of Canadians will have some kind of mental health challenge at some time in their life. And new Canadians face these same challenges, but often don't want to address it because of the stigma, some kind of embarrassment. So we started a class we call Immigrant Transitions. So the class is about normalizing the challenges people face when they have a huge change in their life, a huge transition. And so we help people work through emotional difficulties and you know, family dynamics and what goes on in, in uh, just the whole part, all of that. And um, one, of the, 
one of the women we got to know, she was coming to our classes, and she was a professional woman in her birth country. She got a job, professional job in Canada, but she was not able to keep jobs very long, and we quickly figured out why. It's because she was dealing with paranoia, and she, she was just so worried. She had various conspiracy theories, and she, she was convinced the government agents were following her and watching her and watching all her emails and had cameras on her. And she wrote letters to the President of the United States and the Prime Minister of Canada asking them to take the government agents away from her. And my wife would talk with her regularly and listen to her. And, you know, at first you're trying to listen and understand. And then you figure out, hmm, this isn't true. It's just in her mind. And uh, my wife had encouraged her to see a health professional to talk about this. And over the months, you know, she'd, she'd keep coming back and she, she, she was not going to see a doctor. My wife offered to go with her. She still didn't want to go. And finally, after about a year and a half, she agreed to go see a physician. And uh, thanks be to God, her life has changed dramatically. So the, she's now taking medication and it's like she's completely lucid. She thinks... She's just a beautiful person to be with. She just thinks well, and she's, she's a she's great conversationalist, and I'm just so thankful for the way God has used the medical community to heal her. Uh, Jesus healed the sick, and we also show kindness and mercy by helping the sick whenever we can. In John chapter 8, Jesus said to the woman who was caught in adultery, Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I condemn you, Go now and leave your life of sin. So Jesus was offering forgiveness, acceptance, and love. And that's what we do too. We try to emulate these same characteristics. Uh, in one of our classes, there was an older man, I'll say, I'll say middle-aged man, from, um, he was an immigrant, and there was a Middle Eastern teen. They were both pretty good in English, and they... They were, they'd give their opinions as they worked through various discussion questions, and they saw things very differently, and they regularly disagreed. And one week, this disagreement was growing, it was heightened, and it actually led to physical blows. They were both hitting each other. So when we do EAL training, that's usually not part of the training, is how to step a fight. Uh, the fight didn't last long, but this was not good. This was not good at all. Uh, and the, the young man uh, the, from the Middle Eastern background, he, um, uh, his parents were just shocked that this would happen in a church, as so were we. And they wondered, you know, why a Christian man would be hitting their son. And they, we explained, no, this man, he comes to our classes. He's been coming for years. But he is actually quite hostile to Christianity. I'm not sure why he keeps coming back, but we love him. We accept him and we're trusting God to change it. But no, he is not a representative of Jesus. And th this, this couple and their, their son, they left, they left our class. They didn't come back. Um, but a few months later, they were attending another class. They went back to Alpha and their daughter asked if she could be baptized. And so good things were coming out of that. And we continue to work with this middle-aged man asking God to change his heart. Another uh, woman was in one of our classes, and we got to know her and her husband. And over time, we started to learn about the marital challenges they were experiencing. 
and eventually they were separated. It, it just wasn't working for them. And the woman kept coming to our classes, and we're trying to show love to both the husband and the wife. Eventually, the woman, the wife, and her two elderly parents, they were baptized. It was an amazing baptism uh, experience. And then uh, several years later, the husband came back. He started attending classes again because he remembered that we loved him and accepted him. There were some of our volunteers who were not happy with him at all, but he knew that it was a safe place. So he came back and we're still trusting God to draw him to himself. <clears throat> Joe and Nancy are another uh, couple who are attending our classes. They've been attending off and on for quite some time. <clears throat> and one day Nancy was talking to a volunteer and, and it be and she talked about how her husband had been hitting her. And this is the first time we'd heard this. Uh, so this led to um, visit to a police station, police report, police visiting the family, talking to her husband, Joe. And uh, uh, a couple in our church, volunteers, they, they were really instrumental in helping this couple. So they went to their home and they just gave them really specific advice on what Joe should do when he's angry and what he shouldn't do, and what Nancy should do when she's upset. And, and uh, they're just trying to help um, with a very difficult situation. And out of this, out of this whole situation, Joe has become very interested and he's become a regular attender at our classes. He's come to Alpha, he talks like a Christian. He prays like a Christian. He, he self-identifies as a Christian. He's a follower of Jesus. And he wants to be baptized. And understandably, his wife Nancy is cautious. I think she's waiting to see how this turns out. And we're just trusting God that he can restore this, this bruised marriage because Jesus is amazing. So we show our acceptance, our love. Jesus forgave the woman who was caught in adultery. He showed mercy to her. So we try to accept the people we meet, no matter what they believe, no matter what they do, uh, and we show love to them. In uh, John chapter 1, uh, Nathaniel was a friend of Philip. And Philip was talking about Jesus, and Nathaniel questioned what he's heard, he questioned Jesus' background. And he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? We meet many people who are skeptics, people with doubts, people with questions. Uh, one man came to a class. His wife had been coming for a long time. She came to our classes and she went to the class with the JWs. <laughs> We're kind of hoping she'd come to our class more. And her, her husband, uh, he wasn't interested. He was pretty good in English. But he had a construction problem in his house. So he came one day and because um, he, he knew one of our volunteers was a carpenter who might be able to give him some good advice. And so he sat through the class and, uh, and after class I'm talking with him. And he said, I've been to church before and I've asked pastors and I've never got a good answer. He said, why did God command the people of Israel to destroy the Canaanites? Why did God command genocide? What kind of a God would do that? And um, so what I did is I started talking to him about various ways that people understand this very difficult question. This is not a simple question. And I told him, well, you know, what the Bible teaches is that uh, uh, 
people of Israel were commanded to destroy the Canaanites because of their immorality and idolatry and because they would lead the people of Israel into immorality and idolatry. And others say, others who are thinking less about the authority of the Bible, they'll, they'll say something like, well, God in the Old Testament, he's got a lot better by the time he gets to the New Testament. So we have a new and improved God in the New Testament as manifest in Jesus. And Jesus really shows us what God is like. So the idea is that God has changed. And some would say, well, Joshua and his, the leaders of Israel, they just misunderstood God. God never told them to do that. Um, they just, they just, um, they did it anyway. And then some would say, Joshua and the people of Israel, they just made it up for their own political gain. So, so what I would like to do is then talk to this man about the strengths and weaknesses of each of those arguments. And I never even got around to the view that I like, uh, but he, as soon as I gave him these options, he grabbed onto one. I didn't think it was a good option, but he grabbed onto it and that was good enough for him. And intriguingly, he kept coming back week after week, every week for about two years till he returned to his country. So every week he's learning a little bit more about Jesus' life, a little bit more about Jesus' teaching. And we thank God uh, for using his word to teach this man. Um, another class, uh, Bible study. Just a few months ago, uh, there was a woman in the class. and She's a professional, had a very important job in the ecology realm in her birth country. She came to class, and I'm asking one of the questions, and she said, when I f- first came to class, I only came because I wanted to learn English. She said, but now I come because I want to learn more about the Bible. And she said, but she went on and she said, but I was raised as a Darwinist and I don't know how, how to fit Jesus in that. And so I, I started to talk to her about various ways that Christians think. Christians disagree. People who follow Jesus, there's really smart people, they disagree. And, you know, some think that God created the world in six literal days and some think God created the world like four plus billion years ago and then God superintended creation for the entire process. And some think that God started the Big Bang and he used the process of evolution to create the world. So Christians disagree. They all agree God made the world, but they just disagree about how God made it. And again, I didn't get into all the details about why people hold each of those views. We did talk a little bit about macroevolution and microevolution. But in the conversation, she said, well, now it makes sense. I, I told her like, that science 200 years ago was very different than it is today. Science 200 years from now will probably be very different from it is now. Uh, but the teaching of Jesus, the life of Jesus is always the same. And so we study the words of Jesus to understand what he wants us to do. She is definitely on a pathway to Jesus. She's very close. Another couple uh, came to Bridges and... Uh, uh, she, the, she was studying. Um, the woman came to. They both came to Alpha. She has become a believer. She came a believer in a very short amount of time. Her husband is a PhD student, and he's also very close to faith. And I just love the fact that we're talking about questions about trusting the Bible, believing in God, the deity of Jesus, what is the Trinity, prayer, sovereignty of God, and we're just trusting Him to continue, trusting God to continue to move this man on a path to himself. Jesus answered the skepticism of Nathaniel. And one of the ways we help those on a pathway to Jesus is by helping them with their skepticism, their doubts, and their questions. So maybe one of these nine ideas is something 
that could help you as you move forward in thinking about your relationship with your neighbors. Maybe you need to have more parties. Maybe you need to eat, some, eat with some people. Maybe it's evangelism. Maybe it's just time and friendship. Uh, could it be finding people who can help you with stuff as a way to build a relationship? Justice and social action. Maybe it's working, helping the sick. Accepting, loving, and forgiving people. Maybe you're going to be helping somebody with their doubts, their questions. I love it when people trust us enough to tell us their doubts, to tell us their questions. Uh, a couple years ago now, uh, Bina came to one of our classes. And she was a professional in her birth country, and she needed to take an exam in Canada so she could get qualifications to practice that profession here in Canada. And, but first she had to pass a very difficult English exam, the IELTS test. So she took every single class that our church offered. And that's like six to eight a week. And I found out from friends, she was taking classes, ALL classes in three other churches. So she was taking every class she could find. And she, so she's learning English, she's taking her Bridges class, she's going to Alpha. And in a very short amount of time, she uh, confessed her faith in the Lord Jesus. And she brought her husband to Alpha. He's also a professional, pretty good in English. And he asks really tough questions, really good questions. And when I was talking with him, I'd tell him about, i just try to be completely honest. I'd be completely honest about my questions. I'd be completely honest about my own struggles in the Christian walk. Because I don't, I don't want to pretend everything is perfect. So when the church has done stupid things, like uh, he, he comes from a country where the church hundreds of years ago, they sent invaders to, to attack. I say, that was wrong. Many Christians, they, um, they don't live by the teaching of Jesus. And many, many of my friends will ask me questions about what the American president is doing with the military in the past. And I just tell them, uh, different Christians think differently and Christians don't always do what Jesus said. Well, I was quite shocked and extremely pleased when in a short amount of time, this, this man, Hakim, he confessed his faith in Jesus. They wanted to be baptized. So my wife and I were doing baptism classes with them. And uh, they asked if they could do a private baptism because they were worried about their uh, family back in their birth country. And, and so we did that. And it was, again, an amazing baptism service. They gave their testimonies. They were baptized. They're raising their children to follow Jesus. And in December, two months ago, they were bringing... Uh, friends from their birth country to a, to a Christmas party. And they're bringing... Uh, and so right away I'm thinking about how we started. Jesus began his ministry with a party. And maybe this party is the first step of the pathway to Jesus for this couple. Let me pray for you. Lord God, I thank you for these great people at Gateway. What an amazing church. It's just so good to be here. And uh, you know what they need today, and so I, I pray that you will pour out your goodness and love and mercy, pour out your spirit, so that we receive the goodness that you have planned. And uh, I pray that as we've heard your word, that your word would show us what's next for us. Uh, allow us, help us to keep obeying you so that we show the love and forgiveness and mercy of Jesus to those around us for the glory of God. We want to see people drawn to yourself, drawn to the gospel, drawn to your word. Uh, so that we can rejoice together. We pray with thanksgiving through Christ our Lord. Amen.